1: Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
2: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today, we're going to be talking about the darkness. Must we have the dark to see the light? Is that the only purpose of darkness? Must we have evil to see good? What's the point? During this show, we're going to explore the purpose of life from the perspective of darkness, the silence of the ethers when you're screaming for an answer, death that comes when life is what is wanted, the essential ingredient necessary to what we call evil. These are things that many who practice the tenets put forth in books like The Secret don't want to talk about. In fact, they tell us not even to have a so-called negative thought. But if we ever think about the, if we never think about the dark, aren't we keeping the dark in the dark? What if it has beautiful gifts for us too? More beautiful at times even than those gifts we get from the light. So today we're going to be spelunking into the dark, murky, slippery underground caves of life. Get your gear, bring your cameras. You're going to want to get some good shots of this. So all around the world, at this moment even, there are people having discussions about the dark. Sometimes they're throwing out little quips. Sometimes they're having real lengthy discussions about what it is to live in the dark. Sometimes people are saying this is such a dark time and and I don't know what to do with it and others are telling them how they can get through it. But darkness is one of those things that we just really don't want to hear about. We don't want to talk about and yet when we do talk about it, it brings us to a place of deeper understanding perhaps of who we are. Because if all things are one, then we are also one with the dark. And that's a that's a point that we don't want to think about much, but we are also one with the dark. Debbie Ford, who has just made her transition recently, talked a lot about shadow material uh, and how it is that from the from the darkness of the shadow material, which is everything that's in our unconscious, we can come to know things about ourselves that we didn't know before, and we can find some gift in that darkness. So we we tend to think of shadow material about ourselves as negative aspects of ourselves failed pieces of our our life um murky dark uh, death wishes and and um shadowy unconscious resentments and uh pushed back angers and those kinds of things. And we just don't want to know about those things, particularly in a world where we've been taught that if we have a so-called negative thought, we might attract negative things into our lives. And so we're we're co- constantly being told that we can't have any negative thoughts, but we have stuff going on around us that invites us to explore the darkness. And we won't because we're afraid of having a negative thought. But And in so doing, we don't grow. So what we're going to say right up front is that this show is not uh, going to talk about – it's not going to be a downer. <laughs> this I'm not Debbie Downer here. We're not going to talk about uh, the things that make you get down. What we're going to do is explore reality um, in, its, in its truest essence, in its wholeness, which includes both the dark and the light. So we're going to be talking today about the dark side. But that, that, what I'm gonna declare up front out in the open is that the dark has a gift for you. A huge gift. A life changing gift. It is not dark just to be dark. It is not dark just to test you. It is not dark because you needed the dark or called forth the dark. It's dark because there is darkness. And we have to walk through it sometimes. So we know that on in the on the physical plane, the sun moves to the other side of the earth, and therefore it gets dark, and we can see the moon and the stars and or the clouds, depending on what kind of weather we're having. Um, and we um, get a new perspective from the dark. We also know that where there is no light, there are no shadows, and darkness darkness precludes shadows. We know that when light shines on an object that is solid. That solid object will create a shadow behind itself, uh, which, in which there is no light. Um, and we use those ideas as metaphors for the struggles and sufferings in our life. But when we talk about it from a dualistic perspective, and I want to talk, I want to do that today, um, because duality is where we are. We live on a planet in which duality is the central theme of our operations every day. Um, many of us are trying to operate from oneness, not from duality. Nonetheless, the majority of our world still operates from the idea of duality. Now, what I mean by duality is that we are not one with the divine, um, and that we must struggle to get to be one with the divine. And we must do that through certain ways, rituals, or deeds that um, will get us back into sort of alignment with the divine who is an other. The divine, in that scenario, is an other. It is not the same as us. It is not us. It is an other. And we are not the same as it. But we can strive to be closer to it, whatever it is. And our imaginations or our religion has taught us that it is. Um, so, from the perspective of duality, then, when we walk through the darkness, perhaps it can help us if we let it to get closer to it, that, that divine entity that is an other, Um, but mostly what we tend to think is, well, probably I've done something wrong. And that's why I'm having to walk through the darkness. But if you think about it, when the sun goes down at night and we happen to be walking down a street at the time the sun finally plunks down over the horizon and into that other world, other side of the world, we don't generally think we've done something wrong just because we happen to be walking in the darkness now. But from the perspective of duality, when we happen to walk into darkness, many, many, many of us all around the world tend to think in terms of, oh, well, I must have done something wrong to get myself into this dark place. And yet, what I would say is that you've just arrived at a new place when the sun has set. And it doesn't mean you've done something wrong. So... When we, when we think of that from a new thought, uh, human potential perspective, rather than from the perspective of the more dualistic approach, what we tend to think is that, oh, well, I must have attracted this darkness to myself, which again means subtly, but not quite so overtly, but subtly means I've done something wrong. Um, so it means that I've attracted it. I've thought a negative thought or I've had some negative beliefs about myself, and therefore I've attracted this darkness into my life, this suffering, this bad thing. Um, and, as, and from that perspective, then we begin to try to change our thinking. We say, okay, I've got to start thinking positive thoughts and I've got to start, you know, pushing away those negative thoughts and making them go away and not letting myself ever have a negative thought or a negative emotion. And, and I've got to get myself in alignment with that positivity. And if I can do that, then this, then I'll get out of the darkness and into the light again. And what we find is that we just repress we press more of that energy and we don't gain anything. The darkness doesn't go away and we wonder why it hasn't. We've, we're doing all the work. What's the problem here? Um, and so we've got some um, information that we've passed down from a dualistic perspective that has invaded our human potential movement and is still teaching us similarly to the old dualistic way of thinking that our... Um, our thoughts get us into trouble. And as you know, those of you who have kept up with my work, you know that the book, uh, the, uh, the Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, disputes those ideas um, vehemently using both sacred texts as well as um, intuition and re- rational thought to actually inform us of, of the realistic approach that um, our thoughts are not the... The attractor, our soul is the attractor. And it is our soul that is walking in our lives. And so as we're walking planet Earth, we, our soul is taking from everything that happens to us, germinating that and building it into some gift for us so that we never lose out on anything. We never, we never miss the gift. Um, Marion Williamson says that if we lose something, the law of comp- the divine law of compensation will replace it with something even better. I, and I think that's true. I think I might phrase that a little differently. I think I might say that when we lose something, we are simultaneously gaining something else within ourselves because it's kind of like a sloughing off. If we, um, and women understand this perhaps better than men because every month young women have uh menses and we slough off the material that's in the womb that that would uh, uh that gets us ready to carry an egg an embryo uh to full term and so that process then of sloughing off is constant in our lives it is something that sort of removes the veil for a while i say to women all the time that menses is a time when the veil is removed and so when people have trouble with uh, uh Um, negative or hard emotions prior to um, that period of time in the month when menses uh, arrives we tend to uh, to think, oh, well, that's just because my biology is different. But actually what's happening is the veil is dropping so we can see what's been going on in there all along. All along we've been, I think Dr. Christian Northrup would agree with this, all along we've been repressing stuff and not paying attention to stuff. And then the veil falls about a week before we start the period and we become aware that, oh, there's that stuff and there's those feelings that go with that stuff. And then we quickly push it away again and it comes back again the next month. I've literally known people that hit the exact same issue every month at that same time until they finally go, I guess I'm going to have to do something about this. Um, you know, so it, it, it lowers the veil. And in that same sense, the darkness gives us the opportunity to lower the veil so that we can see clearer who we are. Now we, it's, it's a funny thing. It's a paradox to say that when the dark comes, we see clearer. But it's true because when the light is on, we can have, see all kinds of, um, you know, physical matter and all kinds of um, stuff that people are throwing at us and all kinds of body language and words and nuances and things like that that are going on uh, in a room in a given dynamic or given uh, encounter or just sitting still in a room all by yourself. Um, but when the darkness comes, there there's a kind of reflection that takes over. And if you don't have any light at all in that darkness, reflection is is very. It's probably going to take place. Now, a lot of people will say, "Well, no, it doesn't." What happens first is you get afraid. Well, in some cases, that's true. I mean, I can tell you that if somebody shut the lights lights off in an elevator and it was completely dark, I'd probably be afraid for a few seconds as well. You know, but uh, the metaphor stops there, because when we when we begin to process what darkness really is, it is a way of seeing differently, not not seeing. Um, uh, Many stories have been written over this century down through through the literary history of people who were blind who could see better than others. Um, That was a theme in the old Greek uh, plays that um, people who were blind could actually see better than others and people would come to them for information about their lives because they could see better than others. That's a metaphor that tells us that in the darkness, perhaps we can see better who we are and what we're really up to and what's really going on and what's really true and false about um, life. So, okay, in terms of, 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 of the darkness itself, when we talk to people, when people are having philosophical discussions about the dark and the light, very often they say, well, we need the dark because if we didn't have the dark, we wouldn't be able to recognize light when it comes. I kind of wonder about that. I'm, I'm not so sure that if, if every, if all day, every day, forever and ever, if you lived in Alaska or the North Pole where there is no darkness, and the sun never sets, that doesn't mean that you don't recognize the sun. It doesn't mean that you don't recognize that it's day. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that. So when we think in terms of those dualities, those polarities that are in the dualistic mindset, we think, oh well, we have to have evil or we wouldn't recognize good. We have to have dark or we wouldn't recognize light. Well, that's a nice little, um, idea, but it's not necessarily true. We don't recognize good because it isn't evil. We recognize what we call good because it feels better. <laughs> it feels good. It's nice. We, we like it. Um, we recognize what's co- called bad because it doesn't feel so good. So we don't need the bad to recognize the good. We need our feelings to recognize the good. We don't need... Um, to have evil in the world, to recognize that there's also good in the world, we just need to feel the good that happens. Now, I'm using these terms good and evil even though I don't like using those terms because I don't really think there is any such thing as good or evil. I think that we are, uh, we are very often, uh, caught up in those interpretations of life, um, because we, we are thinking in dualistic terms. So we think that something that happens can be interpreted as um, as bad or good. And so we do. If it doesn't feel good, well then it must be bad. If it feels good, it must be good. And that's generally how we do it, although we can put a lot, a lot of philosophical ideas on it as well or religious ideas that when you do X, Y, or Z, you're being bad or when you do X, Y, or Z, you're being good. And many of us live from that um, paradigm of living as well. But they don't hold as much merit until it comes down to feeling. Um, And so many people who espouse religious tenets about good and bad don't really live out of those same tenets of good and bad. They live out of their feelings about good and bad. So really what we've got is our feelings. And when the dark comes, we get more in touch with our feelings. Ergo, it's an opportunity for us to get to know ourselves better. In fact... There's a part of us that is dark and light. If you think about, you know, my external right now is sitting in a room where the lights are on. And I can see my skin and my fingers and my hands and my legs and all that stuff. I can see me. But inside of me, there's not any light. And unless somebody shines a light in there, it's dark. So, uh, not recently, I had an arthroscopy on my knee. I tore some cartilage trying to do to do yoga uh, before I had stretched like foolishly and uh, and so they had to go into my knee and put a light in there and scope it out so they could see what was going on in there so inside of me it 's dark outside of me it 's light. And that's a, a, a nice paradigm because uh, or analogy because really what it says is that when we go inside into that reflective state that darkness allows us, um, we find we have to feel our way in the dark. We have to feel our way in the dark. It's a kind of braille, if you will, so that we can read ourselves by touch. And I don't mean literal touch. I mean figurative touch in that we feel um, what's going on in there? What's what's happening in our worlds, in our lives, and that process is in in and of itself uh, a kind of way of of slipping into the dark cave. But what we find in the dark cave is a beautiful treasure, and the beautiful treasure is us. And if we allow that uh, that essence to talk to us, we come to know things that we would never have imagined prior to that time and that's how darkness is not opposite of the light darkness is another way of finding truth and so when we when we work with the concept of the dark we don't need to be thinking in terms of well dark is opposite from light and so we need light, we need darkness to help us see the light that's not the truth we don't need the darkness to help us see the light we need the darkness to help us feel Feel our way in the dark. Um, the light will be seen regardless of whether it's ever dark or not. Um, and we don't need to be thinking that we need evil in the world to see the good. Because the good will be felt, and what we consider to be evil will also be felt. And that's how we will know them, not by whether or not they're juxtaposed against each other. Um, so uh, that that idea is one that we need to carry with us into the next segment of the show, which we're going to be uh, doing right after this break. So stay tuned for more in just a few minutes.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel If you were looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to thresholds to awakening with host sway emily Spilkin. our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes but opportunities to become who you really are thresholds to awakening enter your darkness to find your light Where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Poroschek and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel.
0: The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change.
2: And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, which, if you pay attention to this uh, little commercial here, you will learn that they have a special gift to offer you right now. You may wonder first what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. And right now, they're offering an opportunity to win free course for those who email before March 31st. But I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following – Holistic Theology, offering as terminal degrees both a Th.D. and a Ph.D. Holistic Ministries, Holistic Health and Spiritual Care, Metaphysical Spirituality, and Alternate Spiritual Traditions, which includes in-depth studies of the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. This is not just another spiritual diploma mill. AIHT is a real educational program where you will get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors, utilizing as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all the world, all over the world. For those interested in enrolling, there's a small down payment of $250, and then you pay only $150 a month interest-free toward manifesting your dream. The big deal is that facilitating your dream is AIHT's mission. All you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. And now to the details of how you can win that free course. Email Beverly Love at aiht.edu. I'm going to spell that for you, b-e-v-e-r-l-y-l-o-v-e at aiht.edu. Put win a free course in your subject line. Tell her in your body of your email that you'd like to win a free course and why. And then wait till the drawing on April 1st to find out if you won. Or if you'd like to just go ahead and enroll, pick up the phone right now and call 800-650-4325 to learn how you can make your dreams for a degree that will make your career come true. So we're talking about the dark today, and what it means to to even discuss the dark and what that would be like to, to be able to be open to the darkness enough to allow it room to flourish in our lives. There is nothing on this planet, in this world, in this life that is not giving us a gift. There is a gift in everything, every instance, every encounter, every endeavor every um, career or opportunity uh, that comes along, every thought, every emotion, everything. There is nothing that doesn't have a gift for us. And so when we say, the rule of the dark is bad and I should not be thinking about the dark in whatever metaphorical terms we think about it, what we're saying is, I refuse to accept my gift. I'm going to leave it under the Christmas tree. It's going to stay unwrapped. Forget about it. That's what we're saying. And we need to know that. So when we tell ourselves not to ever have a negative thought for fear, in fear, note I said in fear, not in love, in fear that we will not attract that good thing into our lives. We are denying the power of life to give us its gift. Life is one with the divine. We are are one with the divine and if that is really true if you say you really believe that then don't speak double speak double speak says yes I'm one with the divine but I don't want to think any negative thoughts because I might attract negative things into my life into my life well what we call a quote unquote negative thought is just a thought it doesn't have a value attached to it until we put the value on it it's just an energy Everything that happens is just an energy. It's neutral in its value until we decide that it, it means something. We're interpreting all the time. So, okay, there's two things, and we're going to talk some more about this little piece right here next week. But there's two things about us that we need to know. One is we are whole already. We are completely whole already. We just don't know it. And two is... Uh, we are not, we are not separate from our lives, but our lives are not us. They do not define us. Okay? So, here's what I mean by that. If I'm having a, if I've just had an automobile accident, I could say to myself, well now, what did I do to deserve this accident? Or I could say, well, I shoulda, woulda, coulda done something else. Or I could say, if only I hadn't gone to the grocery store just then. Or if this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened. And most of us can look back at a sequence of events prior to some, some tragic, tragedy that's happened and say to ourselves, well, this, this sequence of events led up to this. And if any one of those things had not happened, well, this wouldn't have happened. Well, A, we don't know that. And B, uh, that thinking says that something went wrong in here, <laughs> or you know, it was either supposed to happen or it was not supposed to happen, and either interpretation is an interpretation. It's just that—that's all it is. And and our interpretations about what's going on outside of our in in our lives when we use those interpretations to say okay well that defines me i had an automobile accident so i'm stupid i had an automobile accident so life is bad for me and you know maybe the gods are against me in some kind of way uh, i had an automobile accident so therefore i must have had some unconscious negative thought that attracted me to that other car or that other car to me i must have uh, i must have done something wrong to deserve this those are all the kinds of archetypal, unconscious connections we make to something that happens in our lives that we would consider a dark event, a negative event. And and in so doing, what we're doing is subtracting from our own exploratory capacity the ability to find and receive the gift in that event. Now, am I saying that I want to have a tr- automobile accident? No, I'm not. I didn't even want to have knee surgery, so I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, we that we want these things. I am saying that um, when that when they come our way, it's like just what I described in the first segment. We're walking along the street, and the sun finally plunks down under the horizon, and it gets dark. That's all that's happened. There's been no bad, no negative thing that has brought this to us. The sun just moved. That's all. That's all that's happened. We can't see as well as we once saw. And the purpose for us not being able to see as well as we once saw is so that we can see better than we ever saw before. So, again, the metaphor is in the dark we see better than we do in the light. Why? Because in that place, we're, we're being challenged to stop interpreting and to look for something deeper. Because in order to get past the pain, in order to get past the, the difficulty, the struggle, we will challenge ourselves sometimes to move beyond old thinking and to accept something new, some new way of thinking that even changes our lives. And walking through that darkness without trying to interpret it is one of the hardest things we ever do. But that's what spelunking is all about. When you go spelunking, spelunking is a term for exploring caves. If you go spelunking and you've got the right equipment and you, you have been trained to do it, then what happens is you go down into the dark with your flashlight so that you can see. Um, you don't go in there without the lights on. I, I guess there are some people who are taking that risk. I know I saw something on TV not long ago about people who were going into caves without any lights uh, for the purpose of having that adventure. But for the most part, people that go spelunking take their equipment with them and they turn, they leave the light, they take a little light with them and they pay attention to, to what's going on around them and they notice the risks and they make decisions about which direction they're going to take and, and they get the joy of finding the beauty inside the cave and they have the adventure of uh, wandering through this wonderful darkness and then they come out on the other side and they are, to some degree, changed just by that adventure. You see, I believe that every event that happens in our lives creates an, a chemistry, if you will, a spiritual chemistry or what some would call an alchemistry in which we are uh, – we things are shifting inside of us and joining and merging and chemicals are joining together and changing each other into something else because the event – comes onto our person and into our lives and alchemically moves things around to, ch- to change, to to transform into something different. Um, and, and that whole process is one in which we are uh, enlightened. And what I mean when I say the word enlightened is not the term that's thrown about quite a bit in the uh, mainstream world right now, Uh, Where enlightenment means that you are an ascetic and you sit in your room with your fingers a certain way and your, you know, your knees a certain way and say om and, and all you do is sit in the enlightenment in in a state of bliss. That is, that is the society's, uh, the overculture's kind of terminology for enlightenment. That's the typical thought about what that means. And I don't mean that the even more, um, Human potential, or a new thought kind of way of thinking about enlightenment, in which enlightenment means you have arrived at a place of nirvana, where you are uh, um, in a constant state of bliss. What I mean is that you are enlightened. You are lightened. You become lighter. You become less dense. You become lighter in weight, spiritual weight. You walk a little lighter on the earth. You begin to touch the hem of the garment that is the unbearable lightness of beingness. That's what I mean when I say enlightenment. Um, so when we walk through, we spelunk through the caves, the dark caves of our lives, what we do is we have a brand new experience with something different, something um or maybe even not so different. Maybe we've been to this cave many times and we just didn't notice that we were in the cave or what it looked like or how we got there. Um, you know, the old um, Shel Silverstein poem about falling into the hole in the sidewalk and you just keep falling into the hole and finally you realize that you f- you're the one doing the falling <laughs> and, and you're responsible and you learn how to step over the hole. That same thing can happen with caves. We can fall into the same cave over and over again, too, and not learn from the experience. And then one time, we fall into that same cave, and we go, you know what? This cave has some beauty in it. This cave is worth exploring. This cave makes me want to know more. This cave makes me fall in love with myself at a deeper level. And therefore, I'm going to be different when I come out the other side. And we are, without intention, without effort. We are different. We're not saying, I'm going to change my behavior and develop this goal and discipline myself to be a better person. We're not doing that. We just are changed because we've encountered raw, primordial life at a different level. Because I believe when we encounter primordial life, we're encountering a primordial essence of our own nature. And so we are therefore changed that alchemistry of being Impacted by our own primordial essence, changes the the more um, persona level of our essence as well, because we all have a persona, and by that I don't mean the identity of the mask and costume. That's what we, I've described before in other shows as the victim identity, or the or the um, superwoman, or superman, or superhero, or or the scapegoat, or any of those. I, what I do mean is that we. You know, you go to work and you put on your pro- professional persona. You come home and you put on mommy persona, and you go, or daddy persona, and you, you know, we have these roles that we interact with it in life that are we take them off, put them on, and take them off. Without even knowing we're doing it. And that's a persona. Um, but it can run deeper. We can then become identified with a particular caricature like persona, like the victim, Superwoman, Superman, all those I just named and others. Um, and not, and live that out without any awareness that that's what we're doing. And then we fall into the cave and the darkness in that cave is an opportunity for us to wake up to see that, oh my gosh, In here, I don't know who I am. In this dark place, I can't find a mirror. I don't know who I am if I don't have this other thing, this other dynamic that I use to bounce off of. So if I'm a victim, I need the dynamic of a rescuer or uh, uh, an abuser to maintain my identity. If I fall into the cave, there's no, no rescuer and no abuser. So who am I now? That's what the caves are for. There to help us get in touch with that deeper place. Now, lots of times we go through that cave and just blame the cave for sucking us in, and walk away and don't really realize that we just fell in a cave that gave us a gave us a gift we didn't want to take. And then we fall into the same cave, and then we fall into the same cave, and then we fall into the same cave until one day we go, you know, here I am again. Then cave. Let me just look around in here and see what's here, and that's when we begin to wake up. So the darkness. Is, it has no more value in terms of its goodness or badness than that which we attribute to it. I'm going to say that again, and I will say it probably again before the show's over. Um, but, it ha- but it does have a gift to give us because, as I said at the beginning of this, uh, of this segment, there is nothing on this planet that does not offer us a gift. Not a thing. Not the most horrific, tragic, horrible thing that we can imagine, nine eleven. 9-11. For example, and it offered our whole culture a gift to expand our awareness of who we were as Americans, what it means to be a spiritual being, what what does death and life mean. All those questions began to be asked at deeper levels, and many, many people had powerful spiritual experiences as a result of being impacted by 9-11. So... You know, I can say to go all the way and reach out there and say, well, that means it was supposed to happen. No, that's my interpretation. That doesn't mean anything except that that is what happened. Um, so when we start interpreting, we, we lose out on the meaning. When we start interpreting, we might be losing out on the meaning. So what we need to do is just receive, receive that beautiful gift. And we're going to talk about much more about reception and what that means right after this break stay tuned for more
0: this is the voice america seventh wave channel who am i why am i here where am i going how do i get there if you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth schoolroom. The Open Door with host Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th
1: Wave Channel. Are you feeling out of control? Are bad relationships, anger, depression, and lifestyle overwhelming you? You can choose to release the belief systems that have kept women stuck for years. Tune in to the power of an unstoppable woman with Dr. Rose Backman as your host, Break free from the genetic beliefs that can cause sabotage. It's time to stand up for who you are and what you believe in no matter what. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, Noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
0: Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. visionary this is the voice america seventh wave channel
1: you're listening to authentic living with andrea matthews we want to hear from you if you have a question or comment about today's show call in now toll free 1-866-472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea
2: Matthews. And we're talking today about the darkness and what it means and what it doesn't mean. What, uh, one of the things we said in the very beginning of the show is that many people are afraid, particularly people in the new age, new thought movement right now who are, are practicing what's come to be known as the law of attraction, are very afraid to talk about the darkness for fear that they might think about the darkness. And if they think about the darkness, they might begin to have negative thoughts. And those negative thoughts will attract bad things into their lives. And as you know, the book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why, uh, why It Isn't Working and How It Can uh, it's a book I wrote to address that very issue where we get ourselves all gummed up in what we can and cannot attract when really, actually, it's the soul that's attracting. And that's what I want to get to now because I said before the break that we were going to talk about reception. And that is what we're going to talk about. Um, reception is the idea, a feminine perspective. From, from Carl Jung's perspective, the feminine is the inner world. Uh, the uh, the inner person where we um, where we can go in there and uh, receive its gifts. The masculine takes the gifts received there and takes them out into the world. So we need both. We need both the masculine and the feminine. From the perspective of the feminine, though, we in the Western world have a real hard time. I started to say no nothing about, but I want to change that. It's almost nothing, but we have a hard time with the concept of what it is to be receptive because in the Western world, it's go out, do, go out, and do, go out, and do, go out, and do, and a lot of that is about go out, and do, and prove, go out, and do, and prove, so we must prove that we are worthwhile individuals by the way we work, by the way we spend our time, money, energy, and how we serve other people and uh that concept is all bas- based on externalization of uh of of concepts about duality i'm a good person if i'm a bad person if and those are defining terminologies that are all external value systems placed upon us which we very often incorporate into our inner being so how do you incorporate you receive You receive that as if it is a part of you, and you begin to live out of it. Well, the same exact thing can happen when we go inside into the dark, internal, moist regions of ourselves where we can no longer look in a mirror and define ourselves by some standard, by some externalized standard. We can no longer look at ourselves and see ourselves from... Um, the roles we've played, there's nobody to bounce off of to prove that we're still that thing we always thought we were. There's nothing there. It's dark. We can't see what we've always seen. And therefore, we begin to see something different. And so reception is about openness, being willing to really, totally, absolutely receive. And that is a concept that, like I said, is extremely difficult for us to receive, Um, because uh, we've been trained to believe that we're supposed to go out, do, and prove. Now, so when we talk about receiving, you know, when you see somebody meditating, sometimes you'll see people with uh, their thumb and finger together. Sometimes you'll see people with their palms open on their laps. Um, And the palm open position is a position of reception. Uh, Many people will say, and I say, that when we meditate, when we really go down into the dark, moist regions of our inner being and just sit with that, we very often have information downloaded to us. And I I, I use that term because it's a term we understand. Um, we, we come out of that meditational experience with a new belief, a new belief, a different belief than the one we went into it with. And maybe that's several meditations. Maybe it takes a while for us to really believe what we've seen in there. But or felt in there, but we've received something new and different, because we were open to it. That is a ve- that is a much more Eastern concept than it is a Western concept, um, and so that reception is difficult for us. So, think about it this way. What do you do when somebody hugs you? Do you reach out and take them in your arms and really wrap them up and and enfold them and receive what they have to give you with their loving gesture. Do you do that or do you do you kind of halfway go at it? I know someone that every time we try to hug her, we you end up knocking heads because somehow her head gets in the way and you just sort of knock heads. And it's sort of a metaphor for how she lives her life. Um uh, I know someone else who, when you go to hug her, their, their hugs are so light that you can hardly feel them at all. And mm-hmm. what I would would not say about that is that they are, uh, they there's something wrong with them. What I would say about that is that I wonder if they're really receiving what I have to give them when I try to hug them. I don't know. Uh, I won't ever know. They're never going to tell me. But I wonder. And I can look back at times in my own life when I have. Not I have refused to receive, really receive a hug. That you go in for the hug and you sort of dismiss it as it's happening, and you're not really there for it, and and it's almost like it didn't happen when it's over. You know, Um, you 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 don't. And what what didn't happen is you didn't feel that you were loved in that moment. What because you dismiss it, you weren't really there for it, you weren't really present for it. And that's how quickly the mind can just dismiss something. Um, that's about to happen because a hug is a very brief little thing. It's not going to go on and on and on forever. And that's why I use it as an example. When somebody tries to hug you, are you there for it? Are you receiving that or not? And if not that, then what else are you not receiving? Um, we we literally can live outside of our bodies where reception about anything that's here on planet Earth can be very difficult. But we also can just sort of dismiss to, uh, dismiss what's going on with us so that it, it's not really occurring in the same way we can dismiss the darkness so that its gift does not occur to us we can just have the darkness and sort of meander through it and not really explore it, not really appreciate it not really um, sit with it, uh, not really expect it to give us anything except a pain in the butt <laughs> and so we don't uh, we don't really receive. Um, receiving is, is not even really an art. It's more like a stance. It's more like uh, being aware of gravity. It's more like being aware of the air when it brushes against your cheek. It's more like being aware of what your fingers feel like when you put them down on a desk or a piece of paper or a flower—it's—it's it's more like really being able to take life in instead of try to push life around. It's—it's um, it's looking around at your world and seeing all the beauty in it, and seeing even under the beauty sometimes to another essence. Um, it's. It's about being present with what is and allowing it to come inside you and present its gift to you. And then you take the gift in your hand and you open up, take the wrapping paper off, and you open it up and you say, Oh my, this is mine now. This is really mine now. I'm going to really own this now. It's going to really belong to me now. So when you think back at the dark periods in your life when when so-called bad things have happened did did something occur to you as a gift that you began to say okay that's really mine now that's really mine now i can tell you uh with the present thing with my knee surgery one of the things that's happening is i'm having to relearn to walk a little bit and i'm having to really pay attention to heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, heel toe, and that's one of the things that um, uh, is considered to be essential to walking meditation. It's really tuned into exactly what your foot feels like when the heel hits the floor and the toe hits the floor, and then you propel yourself up on your ball of your toe, and you go through the air, and you put the heel down again. That's reception. That's being with and receiving. Okay. So I'm receiving a gift. What I'm receiving is a deeper awareness of my body and what it does. And, uh, every time I get closer in touch with my body, first I get more grounded. Uh, second I become more, uh, essentially aware of the amazing wisdom that my body has within it. That it is always talking to me. And that in and of itself is, is such a divine awareness that there's no way after those kinds of, um, encounters with my body that I can say any longer that my body is not one with the divine. My body is the divine and so is yours. We just don't always know that. Um, so, um, in, in in when we walk through the darkness, in order to bring out that gift, we have to be willing to sit still. Stillness is not something in the Western culture we're very good at. But sitting still and not just sitting, you can be standing; it doesn't matter, uh, or laying down. Um, but, but, but being still, being still. In fact, being stillness itself, so that we are um, really just not pushing on anything, striving toward anything. You know, the passage in uh, Psalms 42, 6, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I don't think that means be still to find out who the big guy is. I think it means be still and know that I am, I am God. That I am God. That you are God. That we are all God. In the stillness, we find that. We find our divinity. And so, it, whether it's dark or light, when we go down into the dark inner regions of our of our own essence, what we find is that stillness. It's just there all the time, like a gentle nudging hum. It's just always there. And in that in awareness of that, if we just receive that hum and let it sort of vibrate us for a little bit, then what happens is we are shifted. We are changed. We are alchemically moved into another. Degree of wholeness, and that degree allows us um, more happiness, more fullness, more wholeness, more um, of who we actually are. So that is what the darkness gives us. It gives us that in our routine. It gives us that in the what we call what's called the dark night of the soul. I mentioned in the very beginning of our show how it might be to scream out into the silence of the ethers for an answer and not get one. Um, often we do that for a while in the dark night of the soul where we're, we're just going, what is going on? Somebody please just tell me why this is happening to me. Or why can't I, why can't I get through to you, uh, divine nature like I used to be able to? What is that? What's going on there? And those, anybody who's been through a true dark night of the soul really knows that those periods of time are essential to our spiritual growth. Because what they do is take away the old paradigms of how we're going to, how to find God. How to is a very externalized concept. And find is a very externalized concept. And God is very often a very externalized concept. And so all those things go away in the darkness, and we can't find them anymore. So now we're in this place where there is nothing but darkness. And what do you do with that? And ultimately what you end up doing with that is sitting with the darkness and allowing it to just be there with you, in you, present. And then, mystically, it begins to speak to you. And you are changed because of what it says. Because of what you receive of what it says. And so that's what reception is for. We don't receive very often, very often, I'll say it this way, very often we don't receive in the light. We're busy doing, uh, going out, doing and proving. But in the dark, we often have to receive. And that is the blessing of the darkness. So, when when a dark time comes, instead of judging yourself and saying, I must have done something wrong or this is wrong, say the sun went down and now I'm going to walk in the dark for a while and see what it has to give me. And what you'll end up doing is having to feel your way with your hands, with your feet, with your legs. We may get down on your knees and have to crawl so that you can feel your way through that darkness. But in the process, you're becoming more aware of who you are. That's what it's for. So next week, now since we spent two weeks talking about the duality and the blindness and the darkness, we're going to be talking next week about bliss. About bliss and what it means and is it possible that bliss is something very different than what we've perceived it to be prior to now. So stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.